0: Grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson, brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. This presenter has an ethos of exploration, liberation and education here on After Dark, and tonight is absolutely no exception. Luke Skews is a sex and relationships coach who is going to be diving into the world of open relating, polyamory and everything in between. You'll learn some terminology, you'll learn about boundaries, you'll learn about open communication and whether it's your thing or not, I can guarantee you're going to find some gold in tonight's episode. So let's dive in, shall we?
1: Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson.
0: Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. Tonight, we like to challenge you out there, dear listener, and tonight we're going to be discussing a topic that is somewhat polarising. You're either going to be on the side of the fence of, ugh, Jesus, not me, or the side of the fence of, hmm, I'd like to know a little bit more about this. And there is one person that can take us through the whole spectrum of tonight's subject, Luke. skews. Luke, what are we chatting about today?
1: Today, Louise, we're talking about open relationships and the different types of open relationships and the most common questions and challenges that come up around open relationships.
0: Right. Now, the thing is, is that being in this job for nearly two years now, I do know that the rate of open relating is actually much higher than the average bear would think it is. And, uh, you know, it's certainly something that is coming into a lot of people's repertoires. But as you discussed with me off air, there is a hell of a lot of terminology and different levels of open relating. And so it's going to be like a little bit of a uh, a terminology lesson today.
1: Yeah, that was my plan for today is basically um, we'll have a little chat about the different terms and different types of open relationships. And then obviously for you, Louise, if you've got, you know, questions or feedback on any of those, then we can create some discussion around that. But like, Open relating has become talked about more openly. It's become less taboo of a topic than it has maybe in generations before ours. You know, back in the you know the seventies, you know, and sixties, it was you know it was the season of love, and all of these things were going on. You talk to your parents, and now they talk about the good old days where everyone was hooking up with everybody, and you know it's just gay and free, and everyone was having a good time. And then it seemed like, you know, that generation got older and all of a sudden open relating became um, a little bit more taboo. It was behind closed doors. No one really talked about it. And it was more just under the umbrella of swingers.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: So, you know, you had that auntie that was a swinger or, you know, that friend of the family and, you know, people were oh, you know, they're swingers. And, you know, people would talk about it in whispers and it wasn't, wasn't a socially acceptable thing
0: yeah well I can sort of you know within my living memory I can I can remember people talking about key parties so you know you'd turn up to a party and uh you'd throw your keys in and whoever's keys you picked out that's sort of who you went who you went home with and that was sort of like you know a very naughty sort of 60s 70s thing to do um, but I Yeah, think that, was, what?
1: that, that yeah. was like a pop culture term for so long. I remember that as well. You know, throw your keys in the bowl, you go to somebody's dinner party and someone will make a joke like, keys in the bowl, and everyone would have a giggle, but... Yeah. It was, it was a lot, but it wasn't really taken that seriously.
0: Yeah. And I think what actually changed the landscape of that coming out of, if we're looking at history, do love myself a little bit of history, is that, mm. you know, coming out of the, the 60s and 70s, um, we then had AIDS pop up. And mm-hmm. these horrible images of Grim Reapers in bowling alleys, uh, for those of you old enough to remember, um, I'm going to have to admit that I'm old enough to remember, uh, that, you know, made everybody so scared of casual sex in any form because we mm. all thought at that point we were going to die.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that hasn't been my experience because I'm heaps younger than you.
0: You are not.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm, he- <laughs> I'm so much younger than the ways everybody. Um, but. Like so, the AIDS the AIDS epidemic wasn't so much part of my experience. Like it was, even going through sex education in high school, it was talked about. Like you know, this is one of the reasons why we you know have safe sex. You know, and education on AIDS, but we didn't really have that fear culture around AIDS growing up. However, there will was still the massive paradigm. Of it, around relationships, that relationships are monogamous. Yes. That's what a good relationship looks like. You know, anything outside of that is cheating um, or anybody that does it, um, you know, consensually and consciously are, you know, a little bit um, deviant.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And I think, um, you know, coming out of this pandemic when we've all been sort of locked up and, Uh, I think people are just going, you know what, going to live my life the way I want to live it, YOLO,
1: literally. Fuck it.
0: Yeah, 100%. So, okay, so open relating. Mm. Let's start with the first term.
1: Okay, so the first term, um, and to be honest, my first journey into like discovering a lot about um, open relating was, you know, me – and my ex-partner, Sindra, who is also on the show, when we were together, yes. we started our relationship off as an open relationship because we're both queer, but we're in a heterosexual presenting relationship. And we're like, you know, the only way this is going to have longevity and to work is, um, you know, if it's an open relationship. But even if we were um, in a heterosexual relationship, the conversation that we had around that was uh, we're talking about past relationships, doing a little bit of a post mortem like, hey, this relationship's going really well, it's starting really well. Thinking back to past relationships, what have been some of the things that have tripped us up in the past? Yeah. And we, we had both cheated in the past. Um, you know, we've both gone outside of the relationship. So, talking about how our relationship could be successful was okay well let's just have an open conversation around when we do have desires for other people outside of this relationship and if we discuss that and uh, you know come to some sort of agreement around that then you know we can have some rules and boundaries around um you know consciously to choose to go outside of the relationship that for me, was called monogamish. And I got that term from um, a guy called Dan Savage who has the Savage Love podcast, really yep. great podcast. Yeah, um, And monogamish basically is that you have, you know, basically a monogamous relationship and at times you'll choose to, you know, circumstantially go outside of the relationship and have a situation with somebody.
0: And it's interesting, isn't it? I was actually watching just to name drop another um, amazing relationships guru is Esther Perel. She was talking about how relationships have changed. So, you know, while we are as mammals, we can be monogamous. Going back to when we said till death do us part, most of us had our toes curled up by 40-ish. So till death do us part was, you know, maybe 10, 15 years. It wasn't Hmm. 50, 60, 70. And so, you know, the way that we're chemically made up is that the hormone that makes us, you know, completely attracted to our partner and only our partner wanes over time. So it does make sense that somebody else would pique our interest.
1: Yeah. And like till death to us, part going back to, you know, the original, you know, arrangement of a marriage, it was literally a business arrangement. So, death to us, part, um, you know, monogamous relationships was when you think about business, it was a risk adverse rule to not break a business arrangement. You know, these were families that were coming together to build assets and build, um, you know, finances and fortunes. And Having rules around that is a risk adverse way of keeping an arrangement together.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right.
1: So, but you know, even like we've all watched, you know, the Netflix series and all these things about the Tudors and, you know, all of these big families that were getting married for, you know, financial reasons and they're all fucking cheating on each other. Of course they were. Yep. (laughs) They just weren't, they just weren't talking about it. So, um, the, it's a natural process, I feel, that we're at at this point. That for me, monogamish is at the very least being able to discuss with your partner, "Hey, I'm having these desires, or I've got these thoughts, I've got these fantasies," and that doesn't mean that you break up. You have the openness to be able to say, "I'm really interested in this person," or "I met this person at the gym, and I was really vibing with them," and I, I'll, you know, I want to have the, that conversation with you.
0: Right. Okay. And so this was something just to to go back to your previous relationship. This is something that you entered into from day 1 as yep. yeah, as a as a arrangement. Um yeah. and how how does that play out in you know, what are the rules around monogamish?
1: Um well, it, you know, it's different for everybody, but in my experience at the start of a it, it would be um, you know, like so it would be circumstantial. So if you were out and about, you know, for example, you know, my partner at the time, I remember the first time that it actually eventuated and she was out at a club in Newcastle with our friends and um, they messaged me and said, you know, hey, I'm like really vibing with this guy, um, you know, and I've explained our relationship dynamic to him and he seems cool with it. Like, what do you think? Should I go for it? And I was like, you know, fuck it, yeah, go for it. Tell me everything about it. So yeah, it was... It was kind of like a consent and feedback situation, rather than secret squirrel,
0: right? Yeah, okay.
1: But other, but other people might have the you know don't ask don't don't tell sort of arrangement. Like yes, women monogamish, but I just don't want to know anything about it when you do go and do those things. That that is a situation by situation arrangement,
0: right? Okay. So obviously the the number one problem that I'm seeing. Um, you know come up with this is a little thing called ego. Mm. Yeah, and how does one deal with jealousy?
1: Oh, interesting question. You and I actually did an episode about this a while ago about the difference between jealousy and compersion. Yes. Um, and for those like just to remind everyone, everyone knows what jealousy is because we all get jealous, but compersion is when you can get joy from somebody else's joy. Yes. Yeah. So, how do you deal with ego, and how do you deal with um, jealousy? The same way that you deal with it in every single day of life. So, even if you're in a monogamous relationship, and say your partner uh, is hanging out with their, you know, best friend and having, you know, lots of great experiences with their best friend, and then when they're with you, all you're doing is logistics and fucking taking care of the kids and You know, taking care of the house, how would you deal with that situation? You talk to them about it. You have a challenging conversation. You work through it. You have a good, hard think about, like, why is this coming up for me? And what does it mean about me? Rather than that, this person's done something to me. Yeah. This event, this event's happened. It's bringing up some feelings, emotions, some judgment. How do I process that? I talk to my partner about it.
0: Yeah, amazing, amazing sort of, and I think we've touched on this before and it's always something that I come back to is that, you know, in this sort of setup, the way that you have to communicate to make it work uh, far outstrips a lot of monogamous relationships and, uh, you know, the ignoring of the red flags and the ignoring of the issues and all that sort of thing because it's just not going to work if you don't have that open dialogue. Um, so yeah, to, to actually see that in practice is an amazing thing to watch. Okay. So we've got monogamish. Yes. Okay. Where do we go
1: next one? The next one we'll touch on is one that most people are familiar with is swinging. Yeah. And swinging, um, you know, has, has been quite rife in pop culture, um, and media, and movies, and that sort of thing. Swing is basically when you do have a monogamous relationship, but then you go to either organized events or organized dates with other couples, and you will swap right. your swap partners. Um, so it's like a conscious, organized um, like party or date with either another couple or a bunch of other couples, and you're going there with the intention for people to swap partners partners and it's just literally for that, you know, event in time. That right. night or that date, And you go and you have the experience and then you go back home and you're together again.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you have, um, you know, drink out of really cool 70s classes. I just, for swingers, I just always have the 70s in my head. I don't know why that is, but I get what you're saying. So that is just like a one-off event, and it's it's kind yes. of planned, and uh, it doesn't happen outside of that event,
1: pretty much. Mm. Yeah, and like there's different terms within swinging, like hard softing, hard swapping, soft swapping. Um, you know, there's there's lots of resources out there around swinging if that's something that you're interested in getting into. But again, you do have to you know talk about rules and boundaries and aftercare and you know jealousy and all those sorts of things. It all comes into um, like anything that we talk about open relating um, is never a band-aid to a broken relationship. It's it's not going to fix your relationship. Mm. It has to come from, you know, a secure place that has good communication and, you know, has good boundaries and base level of, you know, the essentials for a healthy relationship. Yeah, But all of these terms that we're going to use there is going to be jealousy and there is going to be all of those sorts of things that come up. Yeah. But, yeah, swinging specifically is, you know, um, when you're having an open relationship but only at specific organised times and events.
0: Right. Okay. Cool. Got it. I'm learning. I'm learning, Luke. This is educational.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So um, the next term that I'm going to throw in there, um, only – purely because it came up in my personal life this week, is cuckolding. Mm. Okay? So, cuck, <laughs> so cuckolding, cuckolding and hot wifing is um, sort of two terms that are in a similar sphere. Um, cuckolding is when you're in a relationship, and I'll use binary terms for this, but it can be in any relationship dynamic or any sexuality dynamic. For example, if you had like a husband and wife that were together and the husband really wanted to see his wife get fucked by somebody else and what turned him on was not being included in the situation.
0: So just watching, passive?
1: Just watching or not even being there, um, but being told about it, but he's not allowed to relate with anybody else.
0: Okay, that sounds like an exercise in frustration. Just off the yeah. top of my head,
1: <laughs> but that's the kink behind it is that it's almost like a little bit degrading for the other partner that's mm. not allowed to be into in it. Mm. Um, so there's, you know, this sort of comes into the kink in BDSM world of things is that, yeah, so one partner is allowed to relate with somebody else. And the other partner is getting off by not being involved in that. So it's like, you know, when everybody says like, how could you open relate?" you know, wouldn't you get jealous? Some people do it because of the jealousy.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah, I see that.
1: Yeah. And hot is kind of the opposite side of that coin where, um, you know, you, hot wifing, hot husbanding, when um, you go – and maybe, you know, say husband and wife again, um, you you consider your wife very, very attractive and you get turned on by how much other people find them attractive and you, you go and, you know, that your wife is open relating with other people and then you get lots of, um, like, worship and feedback about how amazing your partner is and, um, you know, like, you you might go and watch and you might sort of cheerlead them on and right. be like oh my god I'm loving that you're getting all of this pleasure and um you know I'm loving that this other person's getting to experience you does that make sense
0: it does and i see the i see the subtle difference between the cuckolding and the hot wifing. Yeah. it's a little bit of a different power is, dynamic yeah
1: it is it is subtle like the whole, the cuckolding is more a little bit um degradational yeah and the hot wife is more like a little bit worship around how great your relationship is that you can have that experience
0: yeah yeah i get that yep.
1: yeah yeah okay um so next we'll go into the world of polyamory
0: okay let's go
1: Okay, so I think both myself and Sindra have done episodes with you around polyamory in the past. So if people hear this and they want a little bit more depth into it, then go back through Louise's um, episode guide and there'll be some more resources around um, polyamory in there. Um, But polyamory is basically when you can have multiple relationships with multiple people and maintain those different relationships.
0: People often buy toys for Christmas, then complain because they don't come with batteries. But, but, but don't they know the new toys are USB chargeable? Flirt Adult Store. Find us on Facebook or 90 Beaumont Street. This is actually like we're, we're getting into um, the emotional realm here. So we're actually dealing yeah. with, um, you know, full relationships with more than one person. Um and look, got to have excellent time management, got to say. Um, but <laughs> that's okay. How does that work in practice?
1: Okay. So, in like, like you said, like the difference I, I feel here, um, like the terms that we've talked about before now, I would say is that you're going outside of the relationship or sexual experiences. Yeah. And then when we cross the line into polyamory, Um, yes, you are going outside of the relationship for sexual fulfillment, but you're also going outside of the relationship for conscious, meaningful connections, yeah, yeah. And like, again, the way that you're dealing with this is you know, a high level of consciousness, awareness, and rules and boundaries and agreements in place, so there's different terms that come into polyamory too and I probably won't be able to name all of them, but like there's, um, there's hierarchical polyamory where you'll have a primary relationship. Say like, you know, a boyfriend and girlfriend or a husband and a wife, and then there's like a secondary relationship. So, you know, you might just be seeing them, you know, in, for lack of a better term as a side piece yeah, or you're just sort of dating them. Um, and it has, um, secondary priority over your main relationship yeah um there's um um relationship anarchy
0: oh okay that sounds hectic uh,
1: that is hectic it's yeah it's super fucking hectic speaking from experience um it's where you basically don't have any hierarchy to relationships and you basically just follow your heart and follow the connections that are in place at the time and you let the connection and your um, investment in each connection judge um, and determine where your priorities go in the different relationships that you're maintaining.
0: Ooh, okay. Okay. That sounds tricky because what if that doesn't? You know, if you're just going with your heart and you're like, you know, I, I'm going over here tonight, and um, and then your partner over there goes, but I'd planned a, you know, romantic dinner, blah 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 blah, and they're feeling like they want to connect with you. Um, that that sounds a bit messy. Maybe that's just my organisational stuff coming out, but
1: it does sound messy. But for some people, and that. Their- personality types and their relating types. That works. It works. That's- it works the best. Like there's no right or wrong or there's there's no right way to do um open relating. But yeah, there's course. definitely definitely, definitely some wrong ways to do open relating. Um, you know, you think about if you're gonna talk about the wrong ways to do open relating, you can basically copy all of the wrong ways from a monogamous relationship and take it over. You yeah. know, lying. <laughs> Lying through a like a mission, um, you know, manipulation, um, you know, like uh, avoiding challenging conversations, all of those things basically apply the same way to open relationships. So, hierarchical, um, like open relationships, is normally the bridging for most people between um, like a monogamous relationship and open relating because it's the most similar to a monogamous relationship. Yeah, But it also has a lot of rules to it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is our, this is our main relationship. So this is the priority. These are the rules. So eventually it feels like there's a lot of control.
0: Uh, you know, you yeah. all
1: of a sudden, all of a sudden you're liberated to relate and connect with, you know, whomever comes your way, but it's, with some controls on place. So all of a sudden, if you do fall in love with somebody else, you're falling in love with them, but within a certain container of expansion on that love.
0: Right. Which can feel restricting, yeah.
1: Restricting and resentments and that sort of thing. You know, people put, um, you know, sometimes have veto rules in place, like uh, um, in hierarchy, like, you know, that you're, Start, I can see that you're really starting to connect with that person. That feels really challenging to me. I don't want you to see them anymore. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, what if that was my sister and all of a sudden you said, hey, you've got like a really strong relationship with your sister. I don't want you to see your sister anymore. There would be resentments involved in that. Of course. So it, it transfers over. I see so what you're saying, yeah. 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 So often people that once they get a little bit mature in their open relating styles, then relationship anarchy does come into place because if you're coming from a secure attachment style in your in your main relationship, then you know that you're still choosing each other every single day. You know that you're renewing that lease of the relationship every single day. Even if they do go and choose to spend, you know, a weekend holiday with another partner instead of spending the weekend watching Netflix with you, you know that they're going to come back and they're going to, you know, you're going to have plenty of Netflix weekends. So it's for some people it works better because there's less controls and there's more trust that our relationship's good. We're choosing this relationship.
0: Mm. I really like that. um, You know, we're choosing each other every day. Like that's, that's so cool. And uh, I think, whether you're whether you're monogamous or whether you're polyamorous as you said the key word there is maturity because right. unless you can be mature and secure um there's going to be chaos either
1: side yeah. of the fence yeah and like when you're talking about polyamory it's quite a big subject there's heaps of resources out there available and I'll name some of them before the end of the show um but when you talk about if you're coming from like a monogamous type relationship moving into polyamory, normally you're coming from, you know, like a, a nesting partner, like you might be living together or you might have some, um, oh, what's the word, infrastructure around, you know, you might have shared bank accounts, you might have a marriage, you might have children. So that, that would, you're coming from a base, mm-hmm. but you're moving out into a whole new world. So, that is where people end up navigating like hierarchy into relationship anarchy. And you then talk about having like nesting partners um, compared to, you know, somebody that you're just dating and having a really good time with. And you just have to, um, one of the biggest tools that I learned in this is that, you know, comparison is um, like the root of suffering. As right. soon as you start, to, as soon as you start to compare something that is really good for the reasons that it's really good to something that might might um, seem better, but for totally different reasons, then you're taking away the magic of the thing that is really good for the reasons that it's really good.
0: Yeah, I like that. Boom. Yeah. That's Boom. A sound, that's Micro- a sound bite. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, And the other one that I'll mention really quickly is what they call solo poly, which is actually very similar to just dating, really. Right. Um, So, solo poly is when you um, identify somebody who has multiple relationships, but you have no secure base relationship. You know, you might be like an easy way to grasp it is, um, say, myself, for instance. I live by myself in an apartment. I just live at, but I have, I see, you know, several different people, sometimes no people, sometimes just one person. um, And all of them are aware that I see other people. Yeah. But it's not so much me being a fuckboy. It's me like maintaining and investing in, you know, maybe more than one person at one time, maybe more than one connection at one time, and open to the fact that I may fall in love with multiple people and maintain those relationships. So solo poly is somebody who is having um, polyamorous relationships with more than one person, but they're doing it from like a solo place. A solo place.
0: Yeah, not not from a, a base relationship. I get that
1: compared to say, a fuck boy who's dating multiple girls and none of them know about it and <laughs> he's telling each each one of them that he loves them and they're the only one for him and you know yeah it's that's it's different
0: <laughs> it is different it's so different yeah yeah yep. um yeah there's not there's not a lot of love and connection in the whole fuck boy thing is there really um oh
1: my god Fuck boy, the fuckboy topic has been a massive topic in my life lately, so not for me specifically, just um, lots of conversations with girls that I know that are dating at the moment and dealing with the fuckboy culture.
0: Oh, it's rife, Luke. We will have to have a in-depth discussion about fuckboy culture at some point. Um, that will be a fun one. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, some of my mates have listened to some of our open uh, our recent episodes and gone quite quiet. So, um, <laughs> We
0: see you. We see, we see you, you yeah. ghosting, they gaslighting feel, pieces of shit. <laughs>
1: they feel seen and they're hiding. Um, as so, they should,
0: as they should. As take, they notes, boys,
1: so. take notes, boys, so, take notes. Like, the main takeaways from this is that, like, if you are, um, either judging open relationships, um, Ask yourself the same question that Sindra and I asked ourselves when we first got to, together, when we were together, was like what has worked and what hasn't worked in my past experience of relationships? And what could I possibly do different so that rather than me thinking that I'm a failure in relationships, what would a successful relationship look like? like yeah. what, what boundaries or what liberation would I need to have in a relationship, for it not to feel constraining and for me to have um, a feeling that this could actually be successful if I have the capacity to have these types of conversations. Yeah, I
0: love that. I love that. And look, I think if. This is something that you want. If open relating is something that you want to dive into, uh, there are you know a lot of tools, a lot of boundaries, a lot of open conversations that you're going to need to have, and you may need some help with that. And Luke is certainly your guy. You can find I am Luke, the guy. You are the guy. You are the man, and you can find Luke on Instagram at lukeskews. And um, yeah, look drop him a line and, you know, even if it was just a few sessions, just to get the ground rules sorted uh, going forward, that's going to give you a really great base to work from. Luke, I really thank you for all of this info. It has been a really fascinating discussion on the levels and the terminology. I have learnt a lot and, uh, yeah, I am sure that people listening have too. So thanks so much for joining us.
1: Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson.
0: Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. I certainly hope that you got a lot out of tonight's episode and learnt a thing or two. I know that I did. I'll be back, same bad time, same bat channel, next Tuesday night, 5pm, either on the stream or on the pod. My name's Louise Wilkinson and you've been listening to After Dark on Newcastle Live.